Okay, this lovely puppy is on. Well, good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, God's Holy Word. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. And today is episode 87, and we are going to continue our study of Genesis chapter 3. We are moving right along. So let's go ahead and dive into this. And again, I'm reading from the Leadership Bible. It is the NIV version, New International Version. And again, I'm reading from Genesis chapter 3. And let's start where we left off. So we're going to start with Genesis. Let's see here, chapter 3, verse 7. So let's take a look there. This is talking about Adam and Eve. So it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. You know, what's very interesting is that here Adam and Eve have sinned, and they recognize that they sinned. Excuse me. They recognize they sinned, and so they're trying to cover up, because now they are aware of what they've done. What's interesting is that they didn't immediately cry out to God. They didn't immediately ask for forgiveness. They didn't go to God and talk to him about it. They immediately covered themselves up because they realized they were naked. So they felt shame. So that's sometimes what shame does to us. Sometimes shame's sometimes shame pulls us apart from God. Well, I shouldn't say sometimes it always does that technically. Sin always separates us from God. And shame intensifies the feelings that we have when we sin. And so we tend to pull away from God even more as opposed to saying, God, help me, forgive me, I apologize. They didn't do any of that. Um, they just stayed in shame until God helped them. So it goes on to say, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. So immediately Adam is you know, pointing the finger at Eve, even though he was right there with her when this happened. It wasn't like he was ignorant. Uh, then the Lord God said, The woman, what is this you have done? Then she points the finger to the devil, to the serpent. The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate it. Now, mind you, it is true he deceived her. But it's also true that the woman gave the fruit to Adam. So it's like, you know, you can point the finger at someone all you want, but you know, usually there's a kernel of truth in it for sure. goes on to say, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, uh, excuse me, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Now, I want to make a point here that when God says that Adam will rule over her and that husbands will rule over wives, nowhere in the Bible does it say that men and women are no longer equal to each other and that women are below men. It, it doesn't say that at all. It also doesn't give men permission to beat their wives. It doesn't open the floodgate to domestic violence. It also does not open the floodgate to discrimination. It doesn't do that at all. It's just that their status as human beings has changed because of the sin they commit. So they they are still equal to each other. Let me rephrase that. They still are equal to each other, but their roles, I would say, are more intensified 
but in the natural. Because now they're not living in the supernatural anymore because now they are about to be kicked out of the Garden of Eden. So before they sinned, you know, they they lived a very supernatural life. They got to walk with God, talk with God. There, there was no division between them and God. Because of their sin, it, it created, I guess, a chasm, I guess you could say, or a division between them and God, which is why they felt shame because they knew something had changed. That's the thing. They knew something had changed. I'll use this as, as an example. Like, for example, I knew someone in college that she knew immediately when her boyfriend cheated on her, like slept with another girl or something, because he was acting different towards her. And he was, he was acting different than the woman that I know. And um, she she thought, asked him, what have you done? And initially he didn't want to say, and eventually she got out of him that he had cheated on her. And she broke up with him. So it's interesting is that when we sin, we change. But but we change not for the better, but for the worse. So it's important that when, you know, how to describe this better? Whatever actions we have should be good and true. Because we do change throughout our lifetime. Like we, we do grow up, you know, hopefully get wiser. And, you know, you know I don't think the same thoughts you know, that I did when I was 12 or 22, and I'm 39 now. So, you know, we, we change and we evolve over time. But you want to make sure that the way that you're changing and the way that you are evolving and growing into yourself, so to speak, that it's holy and it's good and it's true. Whereas if you're sinning all the time and you're not being repentant, that makes it very difficult to be a better version of yourself, so to speak. So just FYI, be aware of that. Um, it goes on to say, to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. I want to stop there for a moment and talk about that. I know I've mentioned this before, but I want to mention it again. So here in verse 20, it says, Adam named his wife Eve. So, you know, what's very interesting is that before all this happened, there was no distinction in terms of name between Adam and Eve. There was a clear distinction between their sexes, but they were both called Adam. After the fall, Adam called Eve, Eve. So he, he gave the woman a name different than his own to make a, a even more distinct separation between them. Another thing that's interesting here, it says, because she would become the mother of all the living. What I find very interesting about that verse is that people tend to call nature mother nature. And I find that to be very pagan and very weird because nature is not mother. Nature did not create us. God created everything. Like God created the heavens and the earth, and he created us. So nature did not create us. Like we did not come from trees or plants or whatever. That just did not happen. So you know, I'll give an example. There was one time I was at church, and this is a different church many years ago. I've probably given this example before, but I think it's worth mentioning again. I'm sitting here in church, and I love to sing. Um, I love worship. I just love it because to me, worship and singing it is very much a form of prayer. So I'm very conscious about what I'm saying and what I'm singing because words matter. So this song, <coughs> excuse me, this song 
talked about Mother Earth. And I'm like, what? Like, we are in a Christian church. And this was technically in a Catholic church when I was Catholic. So um, basically the musical director of this church, this parish, was a hippie. Even though he was the same age as me, he was very new age, very hippie. He was very against traditionalism. He was against um, conservatism. He, he was... He was against the doctrine of the church in a way that I never thought I would see. And so he would kind of take out um, his aggression towards the church and the Catholic church in general by picking these really weird songs. Well, what's interesting is that this song about Mother Nature, Mother Earth or whatever, it was actually in a Catholic hymnal. And I was like, this is not Catholic at all. And this is for sure not even Christian. Like, this is weird. And so I didn't sing it. So whenever we we sang that song, I never sang it. And what's interesting is a lot of people at Mass are kind of like, you know, they weren't really singing during that song. It's because it just didn't feel right. Well, the reason why it didn't feel right is because it's not right. And this song mentioned nothing about God. It mentioned nothing about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It was all about, oh, we'll dance in the hills. We'll dance in the valleys. We'll, I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's, it's just totally hippie. And so when I looked at the song, you know, I always like to look at the copyright date and I like to see, you know, who wrote it, who edited it. You know, is it a second edition, third edition? Like, where is where does this song come from? Well, of course, this song was written and published in the 60s. So that's during the sexual revolution. And so what I find to be very disturbing is that the Catholic Church is still using songs like that in very traditional hymnals. And it's not traditional. Um, it's not even Christian. It just felt so pagan. It was just... It was just bizarre to me. It kind of reminded me, I'm trying to remember what the name of this festival is, but hundreds and hundreds of years ago, um, whenever there were still pagan cultures over in Scotland and Ireland, um, they they had different villages that would celebrate, um, I guess, different um, festivals, uh, basically, you know, with the change of the seasons. And there's this one festival, I can't remember the name of it, um, but it's a celebration, and I think it's, it's probably around springtime because it was where all the single women, the, the young maidens, the so-called virgins, if they really were virgins, uh, virgins, excuse me, they would go out and dance in the fields, and then the young men would go out there and grab one of them, and I don't even think they married them, but they were just having sex and stuff like that, and that was like to celebrate new birth and spring. Well, that's what this song reminded me of. It was so pagan sounding. I was like, this reminds me of that festival um, about this culture that we read about in college. And I was like, wow, um, it doesn't pay to be pagan, especially for women and children, because usually your body just gets used up by men. So FYI, be aware of that. And God's not for that. So God is not for paganism, not by any means. And that's why God says, Worship me only. I am the Lord your God. You shall not have any other gods before me. And what's very interesting is that when people put other gods before him, they wonder why their life goes to hell, why it just goes really sour. It's because you are separating yourself from God. Well, that's what that song remind me of. And what's interesting is that the priest at the time, he couldn't stand that song. He hated it. And I'm like, I so want to go up to the priest and be like, if you don't like it and you know it's wrong, why don't you hold that music director or choir director accountable for that? Like, why don't you fire him? Why don't you get somebody else that's not hell-bent on, you know, butting his head up against the Catholic Church, so to speak? And that's what this guy did. I mean, not not the priest, but this music director. He was, he was always picking really weird songs 
And then at one point in time, I was actually in the choir. This was many, many years ago. Um, he Sometimes he would have weird instruments being played along with the songs. And I'm not against instruments, not by any means, but he'd have like a rainmaker noise, something that made thunder and lightning, and then like these African, I don't know, conga drums or something. And I'm like, this guy is hippie. And it was really odd. And it was just really strange. But anyway, when we're talking about nature, there is no such thing as Mother Earth or Mother Nature. That is, to me, that's very pagan because it is. Because you're you're taking something that God made and you're making it seem like it created everything when nature did not create everything. Nature was created by God for us, mankind. So there is very much a clear distinction there for sure. So just FYI, be aware of that. If you're going to a church that sings about Mother Earth and Mother Nature, <laughs> just know they're kind of pagan, and you probably need to go elsewhere because, you know, songs like that, whatever you sing, speak, or read, it enters into the mind. And so whatever gets stored in the mind and whatever you expose yourself to eventually goes to your heart. That's why we renew our minds with the Word of God but it's very important to protect your mind, your heart, and your soul. And when, I, when I'm talking about your heart, I'm not just talking about your physical heart and your cardiovascular system, although that is important. I'm talking about your spiritual heart, your heart and soul. So when I'm talking about protect your heart, I'm talking about basically your spirit, your basically your, your inner man. You need to protect that because the last thing you want to do is fall victim to a lie and be a sucker. And um, I know from experience that I've gone to a couple different churches over the years that they totally fell victim to and sucker to this new age thinking that was actually taking place in some of our churches and some of them Catholic parishes. And I was like, we are not new age. I don't want this. Like, we are not crystal worshiping or aura worshiping people and it's just like we you know we need to stop deviating away from God's holy word and what was really sad was that there were many people in some of these catholic parishes where I'm from they were all for this mother earth mother nature stuff and it's usually really weird people that were for it um either they smoked pot or maybe they fried their brain in the 60s and 70s when a lot of this started taking place so then you have basically the baby boomer generation, if they were kind of these pot-smoking sex addicts when they were younger because of the sexual revolution in the 1960s, these are the people that are still making really bad decisions, but as adults and in churches. So that's why you have to be careful who you take advice from, and you have to be careful what doctrines you're following, because the only doctrine that we should be following is God's holy word. And here's the thing, God's holy word is not necessarily... I don't like to use the word doctrine because there is no indoctrination to God's holy word because God's word is true. So here's the thing. Usually when someone's talking about indoctrinating somebody, usually it means that you're having to convince somebody. Well, with God's holy word, you don't have to be convinced. You either accept it, believe it, or you reject it. And if you reject it, you're on your own. That's just how it is. I mean, if you don't believe in God, fine, go to hell if you want. I mean, that's, I mean, just saying it like it is, I personally would not ever take that chance. So if you're atheist and listening to this, you need to be careful about what you reject in your life because whatever you reject, especially God, 
you are hindering your soul um, from being blessed on here on you're, you're you are hindering your soul from being blessed on earth as well as even having a, a remote chance from getting into heaven. And you know, that's not playing judge and jury. That's just saying like it is. And that comes from God's holy word because God is very clear that if you reject him, he, he by nature has to reject you. So, you know, here's the thing. This might irritate some people, but this is totally true. God does not send people to hell. People send themselves to hell because God cannot break his covenant. And what I mean by that, and I'll close with this, there is no evil in, in heaven. There's no unbelief in heaven. There's no paganism in heaven. Why? Because heaven belongs to God and God created heaven and earth. He created everything. And evil cannot exist in the sight of God. It cannot. Why? Because it's not holy. The only thing that can exist in heaven is anything and everything that is holy and that is the will of God. So FYI, be aware of that. If you have any questions, just read God's holy word. He has all the answers. I certainly do not. And so that's not my responsibility, but I will say this. I very much do enjoy sharing God's holy word to help plant a seed in anyone and everyone's heart that God loves you. So when you reject God, you are rejecting the truest love you will ever find on the face of this earth. That's just how it is. I will go ahead and end this podcast, but as usual, until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless and bye-bye. Still home.